Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Press Row. Behind the scenes stories from the world of sports media. Press Row. Insight and interviews from around the sports world. Now, here's your host, Jonah Siegel. Jonah from the Press Row here. Thanks again for tuning in. The uh, response last week to the video and audio an article from the podcast with Adam Seaborn dealing with sports ratings in general was over the top, one of the best ever. So I had Adam back as we discussed this week, talk more about radio ratings, uh, where they've gone, where they've come from, I should say, where they're going. We go really deep into that. So if you're a big fan of radio ratings, what they cost, what ads cost, and how advertisers really think about them, you know, this is a very deep in the woods discussion on radio ratings. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Uh, thanks to Adam. Sit back, relax, and everything you ever want to know about radio ratings, both in sports, a little bit about news talk and, and, and music as well um, in general, but specifically in the Toronto radio game. This is the Press Row with Jonas Siegel. Jonas Siegel here in Seattle. Happy to be back with you talking about one of my favorite topics, ratings. Huge feedback, pause, all, all of it positive about last <laughs> week's podcast and, and article. Uh, it's amazing, right? Like, I'm back with Adam Seaborn. He's in Toronto. I'm going to assume that if you're listening to this or watching on YouTube, that you checked out the first one. If not, do so. We, we talked a little bit about the... Uh, the sales game, how it works, a little bit of marketing and ad sales 101. And it's amazing how interested people are in that. It's kind of technical, if you will, but still it, it garners a lot of interest. Um, do you find that in, in, in your daily life as well? That people are really interested in who's doing what and what shows are doing well or what the game last night earned in terms of share? Yeah, I think people love numbers because it seems to have like a level of objectivity, right? It's like there's winners and losers. I think everyone loves the horse race element of, you know, what is the number one is is always the radio adage, right? It's like, who's number one? What's the top show? What's the top thing? Same with TV ratings. So yeah, people seem to love the numbers. We'll get there when we delve deeper into TV later. But I heard a fascinating podcast where somebody said that the number one, one of the reasons that Netflix is in this downward spiral right now is that while we all, all love the ability to watch at our own leisure and we can watch shows, you know, till five in the morning and watch an entire season quickly, television is a around the water cooler medium. And, you know, depending on how old our audience is, the whole world watched JR get shot together and discuss it the next morning. And Ozarks, you know, the modern day Dallas, if you will, um, has missed that because I was at dinner a couple nights ago and one of my friends was like, oh my God, I finally watched the end of Ozarks. And three people said, don't talk about it. We haven't seen it yet. And you've <laughs> lost that community effect. And part of that was also ratings, right? So... Mm -hmm you know, TV guide, USA Today, the papers also used to tell us, you know, what was the most watched thing. And because of 
if you remember TiVo and what have you, we're not watching that way anymore. Uh, the one area where we are is sports for sure. Let, let's, let's come back to radio TV. We'll, we'll either get to later today or in another episode. We talked about how radio ratings work, what the numbers mean, how they're, you know, why the, the system doesn't work and that, yes, we are going to get eventually to a different place. And I think, I think you and I agree that listening will continue the medium yeah. of, of listening. The term radio is going to become a term of art. I think that, um, my current vehicle doesn't have a radio per se. The guy who is trying to, or might be buying Twitter may have bought my new car, may have manufactured my new car. Um, <laughs> mostly because I'm a geek and I'm tired of paying $80 for gas every week, but I get into my car and I stream content all the time. That is going to be the new, and it could be live on TuneIn or it can be through one of a gazillion different pot. That is the future. If you go back in time in the, in the Toronto market, primetime sports, Bob McCowan, the morning show, multiple evolutions, you know, the, the first iteration of competition to the, to the fan all the way through to 640 with the Bill Waters show. Uh, and then to the rise of TSN 1050, those shows did really well. Um, mm -hmm. 680 news did re did really well. 98.1. I mean, there's lots of content <clears throat> out there that did really well. And here mm -hmm. we are today. Pre COVID, whatever COVID was and whatever we're in now, uh, there's been lots of evolution. How much, how much of were things in decline pre COVID in the medium in general from a, sales marketing perspective yeah okay that's that's we'll start with the sales marketing perspective and uh, I'll, I'll touch on what you said earlier about radio just being the term that maybe gets used to describe what we're doing right now just two people talking on a mic and maybe there's ad breaks and maybe there's music and maybe there's interviews um i mean ozark you describe as a tv show but how many people watch ozark on their macbook on an iphone on you know, a Roku device is connected to God knows what, you know, it's not really television and same true for radio. So in terms of the medium, and I'll, I'll speak specifically about Canada and specifically about kind of the major markets. We'll use Toronto as an example. So radio was declining um, pretty, pretty steadily, but not by very much every single year, pretty much since 2010, 2011. Um, I haven't looked back in data kind of pre-2009, 2007. It, it gets hard once you get back there. The methodology changed with Numeris. Um, but radio was declining, but not by that much. Um, it's important to remember that sports radio is actually a very small piece of the radio pie in Canada uh, specifically, which is somewhat unique. In the U.S., sports radio is, is much bigger. In a market like Boston, sports stations are the top stations, not just the top sports stations. They're the top stations. In a market like Toronto, even in its heyday, the fan, like McCowan would get, you know, some great ratings, would pull really good numbers. But Sportsnet was never um, the number one station. Like Q107 was still the best way to reach men or uh, The Edge 102, uh, you know, and Indy 88 had a bit of a moment there when it first popped off or got a high up in the rankers for men. But, you know, sports has always been kind of smaller when you think of the entire radio pie. So even a sports station 
doing really well or going out of business didn't necessarily affect the entire radio market in Canada. And again, there's a lot of markets that didn't have proper sports stations. Well, well let, let's dive into that just for one, one yeah. second. Is that predominantly because if you take a market like Boston, for example, Boston mm-hmm. has the Patriots, the Celtics, the Bruins, who am I forgetting? Red Sox. Red Sox, sorry. It's yeah. Friday afternoon. It's been a long week. <laughs> so you've got four of the big ones. And Boston's one of the best, if not, you know, outside of New York, maybe LA, it's the best sports market in the country. Very devoted fans, lots to talk about. With all all due respect to Raptors fans, TFC fans, and Blue Jay fans, yes, Argo fans, and lately TFC (laughs) fans, Toronto is not a hockey town. Toronto is a Maple Leaf town. And unfortunately, unless the Leafs are really in it, the pie of Leaf fans who are going to listen to Leaf talk is not that big to begin with five days a week, uh, 6am to 6pm, the predominant. And and is it right to say that the majority of listening of radio of terrestrial radio happens Mm -hmm. in a car? car or in a doctor's office yeah definitely it used to be even more so the pandemic changed some listening habits a little bit we're still not back to a, a commute at one point I, I was quoted from numeris and I've, I've said this i've repeated this stat that about 70 percent of all listenership in canada was taking place in a car i think that number is lower now i think it's probably closer to 50 50 but still the the lion's share so more than half of all radio tuning takes place in a car that's where people have radios to begin with um, and that's why radio was scheduled around these important drive time slots. So morning radio is so important because people are on their morning commute and then drive time, Bob McCown, primetime sports, people stuck on their way home. Uh, also for sports radio, obviously the, the morning show is important, recapping the night before, but really the pregame show, right? That 4 p.m. to 7 o'clock that takes you from the end of the workday through to puck drop to kickoff to tip off, whatever the sport is. That's always been the most important spot for sports radio. And, and, and that's why it was somewhat surprising that Mm -hmm. if the fan didn't have the game the night before Mm -hmm. that whoever did and they did sports talk so if tsn didn't have the leaf game on a monday night if if tsn had the leaf game on a monday night Mm -hmm. if their morning drive sports talk show didn't have a good rating that tells us that the audience is rejecting because typically People are listening to the Leaf game on the way home from work, business, a dinner, are getting in the car in the morning and are saying, I don't want to listen to this. I want to listen to something else. They're making an active choice to not listen to whatever was on while they were listening to the game or the post-game show on the drive home. Yeah, that's like a bygone uh, kind of TV linear linear radio. The lead-in is important, right? Everyone talks about what's your lead-in. For sports radio, the lead-in is the night before's game. So, yeah, the fan has the Leaf game. People listen to the end. Bob McCallan, uh, you know, the lead-in. You get right to the Leaf game. You stay tuned to the station the entire time. Turn off the radio at the end of the Leaf game. The next morning, you turn it on. Your radio is still tuned to 590. So, um, the, the lead-in is definitely important. And it tells you that uh, you can see when TSN and, and Sportsnet split the games and TSN's having the game. The morning show will get a pop the next morning. 100% very noticeable. So things are going along pretty well for years. The fan yeah. is, you know, at one point they're alone in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, 
the team comes along, mm -hmm. swing and a miss, doesn't <laughs> make a dent, disappears. 640 comes along. They've got a, a Bill Waters show. They have the leaf rights. Mm, not so much. Excuse me. TSN comes along and is still along. Mm -hmm. But still, the fan puts forward a lineup from 6 or 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday to Friday. And uh, as McCowan is, is famous for saying, he could sit on top of his house, whichever one it is, with a megaphone <laughs> and draw a bigger audience than the competition had. All of the sudden, it started to decline. And, and not just because, from a ratings perspective, not mm -hmm. just because the medium was declining. So yes, overall, we saw a drop in total, but the fan share itself started to decline. And what do you attribute to that? Yeah. So yeah, it's so a little context on that. I mean, McCowan gets talked a lot in, in this market a, a ton um, because I think, you know, he deserves all the, the talk he gets. He was producing a ton of value for, for 590. I think he was extracting a lot of value for himself out of that as well. He's going to get a pretty great deal there, but um, he was driving a, a lot of listening there. Uh, challengers came in and yeah, to his point, like the team, all those other attempts never really put a dent in his ratings. Primetime sports was, was must listen. Now McCallan leaves the station and it's not like he leaves the station all of a sudden. That's why the ratings totally dip off. I think it was a combination of things where you had systemic problems with the radio business where people were tuning away. You had a huge amount of digital content in sports, podcasting, hitting mass, people like Bill Simmons and the ringer, people like barstool sports hitting you know, critical mass, ubiquity of, of um, broadband internet in Canada, which was a little bit behind in the US, where people could actually stream audio in their cars, on their phones, on their commute. You honestly couldn't stream audio on a BlackBerry, right? You couldn't really stream a podcast. Um, even in earlier iPhones, people would have, you know, a, a gig of data for a month. You stream a podcast episode, it's 150 megabytes, you're going to burn through all your data. So it just wasn't a practical way to consume audio content. That starts changing, I would say, around 2017, 2018 is when we really start noticing it in the ratings. Um, when it comes to that dip, I'll, I'll give you just a little bit of maybe some numbers to help contextualize it. So, you know, ad spending follows the audience. It's kind of a, it's a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator. So the ad spenders wait to find out that there's no one listening before they stop spending, um, as opposed to getting ahead of the ball. So in 2011, uh, this is all Canadian dollars, uh, about... $1.5 billion are spent on radio ads in 2011. That's across the country. By 2020, it's around $1 billion. And net this year and last year, it'll be under that by a substantial amount with the pandemic. So you lose, you know, from $1.5 billion in 2011 to 2020, let's call it 2021, you're losing about $500 million with an ad spend or about a third. That's a huge loss, obviously. Um, and that's because the audiences were dropping as well. But specific to sports talk um if you look at like toronto radio average minute audience uh toronto radio average minute audience in that 2017 number where we started to really see the dip um and when i say average minute audience that means any minute during the day monday to sunday 2 a.m to 2 a.m so it's like all day all week all year it's like what is the average audience 
at any given time in Toronto, you'd have between kind of 150,000 people tuned into the radio, which is a lot of, a lot of tuning. That's all stations at all times, uh, including the CBC, which is ad free by 2022. So kind of started this year, end of last year, that number had dropped to about 80,000. So it lost again, almost 50%. About, about 50%, but sports radio even worse. So when you have McCowan on, you know, McCowan on 590, and this is just in the local market in Toronto, not including any syndication, any other markets, not including any digital streaming. This is just terrestrial radio. Um, he was getting, you know, 25,000. And then during playoff pushes, or if the Jays had that run, like when the Jays did have the, those runs, um, getting to the 30 to 40,000 uh, listeners um, for his show for the entirety of his show. So 4 p.m. to um, to 7 p.m. Now, I don't think any show overdrive included is drawing, you know, much more than 10, 15,000. So it's dropped more than 50%, right? If you think about 40,000 being the peak, it's dropped below that 20,000 number or towards the 15, 10,000 number. So it's dropped much more than other tuning, mainly because I think that entertainment radio, listen, music is still great i mean i think consuming music via the radio is still actually a really nice curated experience if you like a certain genre of music there are great stations in toronto and every market but i don't think that sports audio is very well serviced by this linear radio model i think it's replicated better online so many places to go um yeah <laughs> <laughs> do do people today i find that first of all Satellite radio is so cheap now yep. that they've now made it basically, as long as you're willing to be active with them in their promotions, you can get it 12 months of the year forever, at least in this country for as low as five bucks a month. Um, yep. And then it's a gazillion channels, including sports and Howard Stern, pick your genre, commercial free off you go. And then you know, between Spotify, Apple, and whatever other channel you may subscribe to, I would never put on an FM radio station, a, a, a music, I'm not going to say mm -hmm. FM. I would never put on a music radio station. Yeah, I, I have no reason to listen to it at all, because I have a, a hundred playlists of my own. And the other things that I just talked about. Is that still a growth area? Is music listening? Is it flatline? Is it growing? Where's that stand? No, it, it, oh, it's still shrinking as well. Absolutely. And, and so every, everyone has a, a smartphone with, uh, I mean, if you're in a major city, 5G speeds that are as fast as any fiber internet that you have at home, pretty much at this point, you have, as you described, like there's great behind a paywall options like Sirius XM that you can get in your car, but there's also pretty much infinite free options. I mean, Spotify premium is, you know, I don't know what it runs you now, like nine bucks a month. But the free version has way less ads than traditional radio. So just apples to apples. If I want to listen to music, curated playlist by Spotify, there's significantly less ads per hour than on the radio. Okay, done. Uh, if I want to listen to sports talk, there are, I don't know, 100,000 sports podcasts I could listen to. Um, none of them are behind a paywall. All of them are free. All of them are ad supported. Again, you might have an hour podcast four ad reads you might have a title sponsor for ad reads in an hour of sports radio turn on overdrive here for an hour you're gonna get 12 minutes at least like at a bare minimum 12 minutes of advertising per hour so just from a if you're a consumer like it's a no-brainer so at one point mccowan i believe was the last 
of the big names. Well, he was certainly the biggest name. So that's a <laughs> yeah. stupid comment. <laughs> but before he was let go, lots of other names, noticeable, yeah. recognizable names were gone. Was that just a function of, do you, in your opinion, nobody's listening anyways. Why carry the salary, the name? Like we, like we may yeah. as well just, this is no disrespect for the people in those slots now, but we can get cheaper, con cheaper talent mm -hmm. and get the same result. Why pay for the same, why pay for more talent for more expensive talent and get the same result? Yeah. I, I mean, so look, let's go back to like when TSN decided we're doing this big sports radio push, we're going to go head to head with, with the fan. Um, they had a full radio lineup of legitimate talent from Mike Richards in the morning. I believe they launched with Richards in the morning or maybe Dave Naylor. There was a, some shuffling early on Dave Naylor doing the drive home show. They had Brian Hayes doing Leafs lunch and the Brian Hayes show. Yep. Um, that soon kind of converted. Andy Petrillo was there, I think Sibalski, right from the beginning. James yeah, Sabalski and company. So they, and those are all like, each mm -hmm. one of those people are legitimate talent on TV or radio. They had already been in market. They're all getting legitimate salaries. They were getting promotion behind it. And no one was listening to the station, but they invested money to try to challenge against the force. I, I, I was you were, there. You go. From an advertising, <laughs> well, I mean, from a numerous perspective, no one was listening. Unfortunately, we need to get you a meter out there in mm -hmm. Seattle if they want to count you. I was in um, Toronto then, actually. There you go. Uh, now, you know, if you look at the stations, uh, I mean, not again, no disrespect to anyone who's on the station right now, but it's become a place where a lot of talent are like the idea that talent are getting their first on-air gig on in Toronto, right? In a big market. The idea used to be go to a small market, go to Winnipeg or go to Edmonton to cut your teeth. Then you can come to the big market. We're having talent essentially start in Toronto because there are no stations in other markets. And they realize that instead of paying someone 300,000 for no one to listen, I might as well pay someone 80 or 150 or I don't know, you know, I'm just kind of making up numbers mm -hmm. here, but a third of the price to be on air. And when you're in a shrinking environment, when every single year, um, there's less and less people listening, there's less and less ad dollars coming in. I mean, cost cutting is the next move. It doesn't seem to matter. I think you could take Howard Stern and put him on uh, 590 and it wouldn't recover the radio radiance in this market. And I don't think you'd be able to drive that much incremental revenue. I don't think it's a talent issue. So I don't have anything negative to say about any of the talent on air. It's That's not why people aren't tuning. It's a technology and a consumer habits issue as opposed to a talent issue. And there are bad and great talent within that. Like I think the fact that Overdrive has been able to, and people who follow me on Twitter know that I posted this, Overdrive actually overtook 590 in drive time for the first time ever recently, um, which is pretty remarkable. Like it looked like when McCallum was in there and they first launched, they were getting like less than a quarter of what McCallum was getting. And now they're, they're beating 590. Problem is they're beating them with a significantly smaller number than they used to be losing with. So the actual raw number of listeners are less. Yeah, they're beating them, but... I mean, do you want to be the number one station where no one's listening? Like, what's the point of being number one? Well, so now we're chicken and egging. So, yeah, because now it comes back to how crappy is the rating system? What's yeah. happening with streams? What's happening with downloads? Yeah. I, I would argue that one, first off, they're winning because they're the first show on a real radio station that said, we're not going to try and be primetime sports yeah. and they're not so that so we'll go head to head by being unbob and that works mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. we're, we're 
you know, we're three, we're three, we're three guys who are sitting in a bar talking about whatever's going on in sports. And that resonates with a lot of people. And that's just different where everybody else, in my opinion, struggled was how do we, how do we replicate Bob? And you can't, but my point is let, let's leave the competition aside just for a second. You know, the morning show had so many different iterations from Stellick and Landry to the current iteration. You know, they had Walker, they had, uh, Crystal, they had uh, Dean Blundell, they had yeah. Brady, too many names t- to rattle off. Then they had guys like Hogan, Kiprios was there, now he's back. Doug McLean, um, various episodes or, or versions of Tim and Sid, uh, Richard Deitch, Brunt. Yep. Lots of different people have come through the, the turnstiles of the fan. And management did make a decision just there. And I don't think it had anything to do with competition. Mm-hmm. They made a, somebody at Rogers decided or somebody's at Rogers made a conscious decision that this is not sustainable or uh, whatever the saying is that the squeeze ain't worth it anymore. Irrespective of yeah. Bob. Yeah. I, I mean, ESPN went through the same activity recently where they shed a ton of on-air talent. Um, people who've been there for a long time, people who, by all accounts, you know, were well-liked and had a great following. But the economics of the way ESPN was making money had just changed. Uh, and I think that that's what was happening in sports radio. It's not a reflection of anyone having, you know, poor following. But to your point about the chicken and the egg, so the money's leaving the, the system. We go from a billion and a half dollars in Canada to, you know, we're going to be under a billion this year on, on radio ad spend, which to me still seems really high. Um, to be quite honest, given the audience. Uh, wait, wait, so sorry, at, for, yeah. sorry, for, yeah. sorry for interrupting. Yep. You said it's declined again. Mm-hmm. Do you have a guess where it is now? You said a <laughs> oh, billion man. and a half down to about a billion. Down to about a billion. It's hard, it's hard to say where it is now. I mean, I would, I, I would guess that it's probably going to be for calendar year 2021, like 700, seven maybe 750 like so in that lost, range so it's lost 50 percent in four or yeah. five years yeah i would say that that seems about right i mean so if you're thinking about the economics of, of making money on radio and radio ad spending you cannot create any new revenue streams there's no way to make more ad units so if you think about other media channels there's opportunity to make incremental ad revenue because you can create more ad units but all you have to do in the radio business, the only options you have are to get more listeners. Numeris every 13 weeks gives me a number. That number goes out to all the ad buyers. The ad buyers then give me what my fair share is based on the market rate. And you can't just go around to the ad market and say, you know, a rating point in Toronto used to cost you $500 per rating point. Now it's going to cost you $1,000 this year. I mean, the ad buyers just won't go for it. And they'll just say, sorry, see you later. And it's competitive enough that um, not every station is going to do that. They're going to say, well, we'll we'll take your money at $500 a a rating point and we're going to sell out all our ads. And then we're going to have all our fill uh, for the whole year done. So you can't just jack up the rates. If you don't have more listeners, there's no way to create incremental revenue. So as the revenue is leaving your management at Rogers, how do you possibly invest in great new talent? I mean, if radio was, if it was, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, Sportsnet's doing well. There's no real competitor in the market. It's making a ton of money. McCowan's killing it. 
and Paul Bizanet retires and decides that he wants to do some content, he's probably with Sportsnet on 590. Instead, he's producing his own podcast. Um, and it's not because they don't think Paul's a great guy. They just don't know how to make money in digital audio. They only know how to make money in this linear, linear system that is, I mean, for a long time has been really the only game in town. People must be very nervous. I mean, if it's losing close to 50% every four, in the most recent four years, do you th is that the trend? Like, is that what's going to yeah, happen I, in another four years-ish? I, I, I don't know if it'll totally stop. I, I still, like, there's still some audience there. And it does, like, listen, radio has some, from a marketing element, there's some unique kind of reach statistics there. But you got to remember that it's not just the raw, it's not just the total audience number that's declining. It's also, so, okay, in Canada, people are buying against essentially three demos on radio. 70% of all ad dollars are bought on adults 25 to 54. So that means that ad buyers go out, they look how many adults 25 to 54 listen to your station. So population demographics have already priced out a ton of people. People who are still listening to radio tend to be 55 plus. No offense to anyone 55 plus, but from an advertising perspective, you're only useful for a handful of brands, uh, not the big brands that spend the big money, the automakers, the QSRs, the CPG brands, the financial institutions trying to sell you credit cards and mortgages. They don't care if you're 55 plus. Um, the other demos that people look at and specific to sports are females, 18 to 34. None of them are listening to radio. So you've lost all those brands. Females, 18 to 49. You're going to have some of those still listening to the radio men 18 to 49 and men 18 to 34 and then men 25 to 54 and that's going to be all the sports stations and the rock stations again men 18 to 34 literally no one is listening to the radio men 25 to 54 in toronto you have 1.4 million men 25 to 54 that's what numeris tells us at least you know an average minute audience in toronto on the fan 590 midday right now might might be 5,000. so okay like five five thousand people, like that's really. I'm sorry, that's just not. You know how many? Like I got to buy a lot of ads to have an impact. It's five thousand people are listening, and also if it's the same five thousand, then you run into what's called frequency issue. So when radio ad buyers look at the market, they don't just care about the raw audience. They care about a couple of different factors. They care about reach, so they want to know you know how big is the audience. They care about frequency. They care about tune in rate, and they care about the demographics. So. Uh, tuning essentially tells us how quickly people are changing the station, how long they stay with the station. Uh, hours spent is essentially the, the, the system there. But frequency is really important. So ad buyers will get the data and then they'll say, okay, how many ads do I need to run per week per station to get myself to a frequency where we feel as though it's going to actually convert for a campaign, a direct response campaign. So one that has a call to action, think of like a zip recruiter that you hear on the radio a lot they're going to be looking for like a seven or an eight frequency weekly. That means like the average male 25 to 54 is hearing it seven or eight times, but a big brand like a, a Walmart or an automaker, they want to keep the frequency low because they have a huge budget and they're in market all year round and they get, you get huge ad fatigue and actually pisses customers off. So they're looking for like a two and a half to three and a half frequency. Well, if you only have, you know, 5,000 people and it's the same 5,000 listening to the radio and a lot of them are, you know, not in the right demo to begin with, it's, it becomes a really impossible thing to, to spend media dollars on. Um, and there wasn't a great replica for a long time. So I think a lot of ad buyers were willing to pay increased costs on radio, willing to continue to support the media because there wasn't a good alternative. I would say that digital audio and podcast is a 
really effective alternative. It has a lot of the same merits of radio in terms of audio storytelling, but it has a lot of benefits that come from the digital world. So I, I don't see it totally dying because there is still some audience, like 5,000 people is not zero people, um, but I, I can't see it growing and just gonna continue to have stations shut down. I expect Rogers to shut down a number of stations this year. Maybe not sports, maybe sports, but I expect them to. They have had some big management changes at Rogers. Um, I'll be shocked if there aren't radio stations cut. Um, if they cut stations, so will everyone else. Patterson Broadcasting, Chorus, Bell. There will be less radio stations at the end of this year than there were at the start. I'm going to go to my second question first. <laughs> uh, let's stick to sports ratings. Yes. When the books come out now, does anybody care on sports ratings in Toronto? Like, does it matter? The numbers being as low as they are? It's gotten to the point where uh, uh, media salespeople use the phrase, which I always like, uh, it's more of an environment buy as opposed to a CPM buy. So, and that just means your audience is so low that the CPM I'd have to charge you to justify the ad spend is so out of the world that we can't even show you the CPM. Uh, so it's an environment buy. You want to be aligned with TSN. You want to be aligned with sports or the Leafs or Blue Jays or whatever it is, as opposed to a CPM-based buy. You can only do so many environment buys. So to be quite honest, I, I think that as these books come out, it is still what matters for most radio stations. The two sports stations in Toronto, at least, I think do most of their business uh, outside of what Numeris says, because on the Numeris ratings alone, they wouldn't be able to charge what they charge. I mean, like fair, a fair cost per rating point to buy primetime, you know, uh, drive time show on Sportsnet or 590, it would be such a, a low cost that they couldn't keep the station running so they have to charge more than that which means that they have to essentially say forget about the numerous ratings you just want to be aligned with the station but do they sell do they sell the net like does rogers sell the network or do they sell the channel so for example if i'm yeah if i'm pizza pizza or pizza yeah. nova am i buying yeah. a package with rogers that gives me 10 stations with these yeah. times or am i buying just on the fan it, it, so there's pretty much three different radio sales happening in Canada. There's national sales, and those are done from Bell and Rogers kind of head office. Actually, Rogers uses a third party called CBS, which is confusing because that's also the biggest broadcaster in the U.S., but it's actually called Canadian Broadcast Sales. And, and Chorus also works with them uh, a little bit. But those national buys are coming through ad agencies that are sophisticated radio buyers. And what they're looking at is essentially just the numbers. They get the numerous ratings. They're going to say, I need 150 gross rating points a week in Toronto. How do I get 150 gross rating points a week? They go out, they get rates from all the stations. They come back, they execute a buy, and they're putting it in buys you know, 13 weeks at a time, right? So Walmart's planning out their media for the whole year. They're probably rebuying media on a you know every eight weeks or 13-week cadence. That's a big piece of the pie um, and is important. From a sports side, um, and this is true for entertainment as well, but from a sports side, the kind of second tier uh, is local sales. So there are local salespeople that work usually at the station level. Um, so they actually work for, instead of saying I work for Rogers Sports and Media, I work for the Fan 590. They are going to talk to local advertisers. So that could be, you know, a piece Corey's. of piece that kind of falls into a regional. But yeah. used to be like Corey's. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're, they're doing local advertisers. Honestly, the local advertisers, they're going to pay for these packages that are, you know, $10,000 for this or $50,000 for this. And the package is going to include some radio air time, but you're also going to get some banner ads on their website. You're also going to get to come to the golf tournament where you can play around a golf with, you know, Mike Zigamanis or whatever. So those are kind of like outside of the ad system. And then the third tier is these kind of 
larger brand partnership deals that happen. And those usually happen again at the head office level. A lot of those happen outside of ad agencies. So that's think of um, what Scotiabank does with, with hockey, right? So Scotia is huge in hockey. They go to Rogers. That's actually outside of their agency agreement. And they're just like, hey, we, you know, hockey's important to us. What does our five-year deal with Rogers for hockey include? Well, it's going to include Hockey Night in Canada. It's going to include a certain amount of radio reads and all this kind of stuff. And those really happen regardless of what's going on with the radio ratings. So the, the bottom two aren't affected as much by the ratings than the top one, which is really transactional of those three tiers. But I mean, at the end of the day, the people buying media are not idiots. Like if no one's listening and no one's watching, they're not going to pay the top dollar for it. But if I own a business in the GTA and I want, yeah. I mean, if I'm, crazy forget that i want to be able to go in and sit in studio and and hobnob with the talent or i want to go play golf that has intrinsic value but ultimately especially in this economy i want results and i want to know that there are people at the other end of it who are going to be listening Mm -hmm. and if the only mechanism for that is a rating and the ratings aren't demonstrable i i would imagine that that's off kilter yeah i i imagine it is too uh, I think that uh, being a local radio sales guy in Toronto right now, guy or girl would be one of the most difficult jobs. I actually don't know how you would go about selling it because even if you got in front of, excuse me, even if you got in front of the right brand, you got in front of the right local owner who's like, hey, I think radio, sports radio is interesting for us. I love the Leafs, whatever that is. And you give them an affordable ad package and you run a ton of frequency and all this great stuff. I mean, if they're trying to measure walk-ins to the store, or they're trying to measure phones ringing, or they're trying to measure incremental site visits, I think they're going to have a hard time seeing any results because there truly is not that many people listening. I help somebody here in Seattle get on Seattle Sports Radio with an ad package. Yeah. I was shocked at how inexpensive it was. Like really it, it shocked. It could be way more affordable than you might think, right? So- the, the, the reason that radio has is been a really great business for a long time is that when the audience is there, it is an incredible revenue generator because there's so much advertising. But it used to be expensive, no? Like in that heyday. Yeah. So when things were kicking, when, when the fan ratings, when, <laughs> when primetime was in the 12 to 15s and all the other shows were at least, you know, yeah. north of sevens. Yeah. Wasn't it an expensive purchase? Yeah. So you know, 30 second spots in prime time with McCowan, you could pay two, $300 for those. No problem uh, per spot. Right. So, okay. I can't just have one spot running. I'm going to buy an ad pack. It's probably, you know, 25 spots a week, probably going to run over four weeks. Okay. That adds up pretty quickly. And when you realize you get 12 minutes of advertising an hour, you get about 1800 minutes a week of advertising. If the audience is there, you can make quite a bit of money and it can be expensive. What would happen, I think this might still happen in the fourth quarter. Um, you'd have kind of your set cost per point, your set rates, and you try to get agencies in at the beginning with an upfront deal where they're spending a lot at kind of a fixed rate. Like, Hey, we're going to guarantee you your cost per rating point is we'll say 150 bucks a rating point. Right. But then Q4, you have a lot of demand. You have retailers coming in. They're like, we got to spend another million dollars to move, you know, black Friday goods. Um, you throw the rate card out the window and it's just supply and demand generated. Hey, we can't create any more advertising. Sorry, guys. Stations would sell out like, fully sell out. I don't think stations really sell out anymore. They might say they sell out, but I don't think they really do. But I, I recall, you know, when I was at Bell not that long ago, turning away hundreds of thousands of dollars from brands because the station was sold out. Yeah, no and actually, we literally did not have any inventory left. And what would happen is, you know, the revenue management people at these stations are, are smart. They have really good models. So 
as we get to 70% sold out or 75% sold out, they just have an Excel chart and the $100 spot becomes a $180 an auction, $400 spot. And I, I, I saw spots from, you know, Chum FM that were sold in the kind of pre-market upfront for a hundred bucks, sold last minute to someone who really wanted to be on air for 800 bucks. So like eight times what kind of the original rate card price was because of demand and because we were, hey, 95% sold out. I, I mean, we've even had situations where we had so much demand uh, for radio because, you know, sports, sports radio in particular, especially when you get like a leaf run, which hasn't happened very often, um, but a Blue Jays run or a Raptors run or something like that, where you're going back to the ad buyers who committed at the start of the year and saying, hey, is there any chance you want some of your money back? Because I have new buyers coming in offering to pay me like four times what you paid. Um, and if you don't want the airtime anymore, we'd love to give it back to you and give you your money back. So, you know, that it was expensive. Now it is, I'd say, affordable from a raw dollar standpoint, but it was expensive because a lot of people were listening. So if you looked at the cost per thousand back then, it was a very reasonable ad buy. Like the CPMs were... I don't know, eight bucks, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, like very reasonable CPMs in the marketing world now. Now I think your CPM is going to be really high on radio because um, no one's listening. And if I'm an ad buyer, if I'm a local business, like I'd be hard pressed not to tell that person to spend all their money on Google and Facebook until they've tapped that channel out entirely and then look at podcasts and then look at digital video before they even touch radio because the CPMs are just going to be lower everywhere else and you're going to get more audience for less dollars. So let's talk about women first. Yeah. If I want to attract the female audience in the key demographic, what radio station do I want to buy an ad on? In Toronto? So it, it, it surprisingly changes. So younger female, uh, I would say that right now, Virgin Radio is probably, probably your best bet. And their morning show in particular does really well with Adam Wilde, who, funny enough, is also pretty big in sports with the SDPN stuff. Um, if you're looking for an older female, so like 35, 64, uh, Chum FM or Boom are both really good. Boom's a little more gender balanced than Chum. Marilyn Dennis has been selling ads against females 25 to 54 for the last, I don't know how many years since before I was born, I think. And uh, she will continue to. Chum FM's morning show crushes it. So those are two stations that I would recommend, both Bell stations, uh, funny enough. KISS 92.5 also really strong um, with, with younger females. It skews younger than all than both those two. It's probably the youngest of the three. And on the male side? Q107, although uh, I don't know about the morning show anymore after the news this week. You know, the edge, unfortunately, has not really had a hit on their hands since Blundell left. Um, 102.1, the edge used to be like a must buy uh, for that male demo, not anymore. And then I think Sportsnet and TSN um, because of the environment buy, but certainly not from an audience standpoint. Forget the god awfulness of it. Does the story surrounding Q107, for those who don't know, uh, some pretty nasty allegations against John Derringer have been made this week. I don't believe at the time of this airing, he's been let go, fired, has he? I don't believe so. I, I, don't, I don't think so. So let, let's leave that aside. Uh, let's just say that some awful allegations have been made by, I think, at least four of his former colleagues. Um, yeah. How devastating is that from, a mar from an ad sales perspective? Do they, do the... Yeah. I mean, it would have been more devastating 10 years ago. Um, if I was only a local be, be, because yeah. the, the show was so much more popular because radio was so much more popular. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a more important asset for chorus entertainment as a okay. whole than it is today. 
Listen, if I was a local advertiser, I'd be calling to pull my spots. And I don't think the course is going to tell you no. They're not going to say, sorry, we're running your ad and keeping the money. Like if you need to pull something off the air because allegations come up and this has happened, there's precedent for this on, on other stations, TV, otherwise, I'm sure that there are ad buyers pulling some spend. Um, I also think that there's probably not that big a change can actually be affected to course's bottom line because the Derringer and that show is not that important to them revenue wise. I'm sure within the little fiefdom of radio, that show in that morning slot is important, but in the grand scheme of things, not that important from a revenue perspective. So probably not going to be felt from an, you know, any ad, uh, you know, we're talking like millions of dollars generated from that show, not tens of millions, you know, it's not that much money in the scheme of things. And neither 680 nor 1010 are came up in your that's where i would spend money they're not yeah, that popular they, they're popular older though so if you if you are going older if you're going 55 plus or even 35 to 64 they they come up but they, they really don't move the needle with adults 25 to 54 much i will say that i mean 680 which um you know is obviously kind of they've called themselves number one for a really long time they they have had a stranglehold on the news talk in toronto i mean 1010 and uh, Global 640, I think it is, uh, have never really gotten close. 680 has been kind of the de facto AM news station forever. All right. So here's a unfair question. Yes. I'm not sure if you know the answer, but we're going to go there anyways. <laughs> How hard would it be for these, for the teams or the networks to sell road game radio production to make it viable for, <laughs> for those of you on, on, on the listening side, Adam is shaking his head. Um, I, it, it, Jonah, it could not be, it, it could be so easy. It's, right? like, it's just a matter, it's just a matter of not wanting to do it, not focusing on it. I could pick up the phone and have that sold in a matter of days. Okay. okay. So let's, um, let's hang on, hang yeah. on. Let, let's pause. So let's, yeah. let's go step by step. So what would it cost from a production standpoint to do 41 Leaf games on the road, 41 Raptor games on the road, and then the double the Blue Jay games on the road. Like, what, what are we talking on a, roughly? You know, you know what? I, I wish I could give you a good estimate of this. I will tell uh, listeners that Sean Fitzgerald, who writes for The Athletic here in Toronto, he has some good stories about, you know, Ben Wagner not going on the road. And I think in one of his stories, he, he quotes out some numbers on what he thinks travel and production costs would be. But no, to get Joe Bowen on the road for the Leaf games, even if it was just for the playoffs, I mean, it, it, it cannot cost more than a few hundred thousand dollars for the year, right? Um, for the entire season. So Ben Wagner, same thing with the Blue Jays. I mean, these guys can take advantage of the team and the corporate uh, hoteling, right? So you're talking, what, three, four hundred dollars a night for hotels. You're talking flights. Um, a little bit of travel and some per diem for these guys. But it's it's not like, oh, we need a $10 million production budget to put Ben Wagner on the road. It's, it's you know, it's one guy, Joe Bowen, it's him and Bo it's him and uh, Ralphie. It's two guys. Like, even if you're, not, even if you're including a technical person, right? Even if you include a technical producer, which honestly you wouldn't even need. And you know, why, when it, when it why comes don't to, you, why don't you need somebody? Why don't you need somebody? Well, technical? I, I mean, I mean, they're, because they're self-sufficient. 
some of these guys are self-sufficient. I think Wagner is quite self-sufficient. I also know that some stadiums now are doing a much better job supporting like out of town broadcasters and writers so that they can help provide a lot of that tech support. It's not like you come into the arena and you're, you're on your own. I think the teams are very much uh, there to support you, but listen, you, I, I think it's uh, uh, unwillingness to invest in the product. I also think that Rogers said, Hey, I'll use Rogers specifically, but I mean, TSN is also, Bell Media is guilty of this as well. They both are. Uh, I, I think that they got, you know, a taste for it in the pandemic of people working remote in these broadcasts that are a little lower quality, people doing them via Zoom and realized that we could save a lot of production money by not flying people around nearly as much, by not people in studios nearly as much. And they've, they've just continued to do that. And I think it's really, um, it's a disappointment in terms of their investment as uh, quote unquote media companies. Um, I think that they both show their kind of true colors as telcos uh, when they do stuff like this. Because if you were a media company and you're actively engaged to be the media partner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, to not send someone on the road to call the game is is not a very good partnership. If I was MLSE, I would pick up the phone. If I was Larry Tannenbaum, that's what I would do. I'd pick up the phone and say, you have to send these guys on the game. It looks bad on the team not having this. It's a giant F you to the fan. That's in my opinion. Yeah. And it's, I to- could not agree more. It's way worse. I, I hate to say it, but it's way worse in baseball because Definitely. baseball is so auditory. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I grew up listening to, to Tom and Jerry and part of it is just listening to the background dead noise of the stadium behind them. Um, you don't get that when the guy's sitting in the studio, you just don't. Well, I mean, there's also like th- things that are just missed in baseball, like, you know, plays at the plate, there's bases being stolen. Like there's stuff that you just cannot actually call in baseball unless you're in the building. Uh, so yeah, I find that the baseball one definitely hits the worst. Um, hockey is, is not great either, but I can kind of live with it. Um, although, uh, you know, it's heartbreaking. Like Sean Fitzgerald's article in the athletic thought, like Bowen quoted, like, can you imagine if they win the cup on the road and Bowen's, in a sound studio studio in toronto like come on it's ridiculous so um i think that that you know other teams too i I mean to their credit or not maybe to their credit but in their defense tsn and sports center are not the only people done this broadcasters in the u.s uh did this as well although all of them heard from their fans enough that i think every team in baseball but the jays have sent everyone back on the road i don't think anyone else in baseball is still doing it i don't think anybody else in hockey uh, is doing it. Although I would have to check with the other Canadian teams. I don't know what, uh, what the Oilers and the flames do, uh, for road games, uh, for radio, I believe they send guys. There, there is a move away from rate terrestrial radio to streaming, but that's different. That's a different topic, but being cheap. I mean, everyone who I've talked to has said, and this is what the, the bigger question to you is, how difficult would it be to sell a package to a brewery, a car dealership, uh, a pizza delivery, a uniform company, a job search board? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, the 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 a gambling company. Making, they're already not making any money on it, so you might as like it'd be easy enough to sell that. You could you could easily do that. I think, um, unfortunately, it's just it's not a priority for for those networks right now to invest in that, which is too bad. Um, from a fan perspective. And I think like to what we were saying earlier with the chicken and egg, as you take more and more investment away from sports radio, sports audio at these networks, 
you know, fans are just going to go elsewhere. Like there's a reason that people listen to, you know, spitting chiclets for hockey coverage in Canada, or they listen to a ringer podcast about the NFL and they don't go to, you know, Rogers or, or TSN when it comes to, to sports coverage for audio, because they're just not being invested in. Well, we are bouncing up against the hour again, <laughs> as I knew we would. This has been fantastic. Uh, if, if for nobody else, for me, I really appreciate it. We did not, as I suspected, we wouldn't touch television, uh, which means <laughs> I have to beg and plead that you'll come back yet again. Perhaps when's the next radio book out, by the way, that is a great question. I'll have to check. I actually, I think we're coming up close to one right now. And this um, is the, the last spring book. So this one should be meaningful. Yes. The, the next one is not. The next one's relatively meaningless until we get to the first fall. So it'd be good to talk to you about a meaningful spring book um, <laughs> and television. So, yeah. So this 13-week uh, this schedule um, is for the spring, and the period ends the week of the 29th. So next week. Two days. Uh, oh, sorry. That's actually, no, this is the week. Yeah, it ends this week. So this is the last week of this book. Um, and it's usually two weeks after. So we'll get the release a, two weeks from next Wednesday, I believe. So maybe we can talk television in the book at that time, if you're That'd willing. That'd be great. Awesome. That'd be great. It's good to see your face again. Good to hear your voice. Really, really appreciate the education and information. This has been fantastic as always. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Jonah. Thank you for listening to today's episode of In the Press Row. Thanks to Adam Seaborn again, going really deep into the side of radio ratings. As you heard, he's promised to come back to do a deep dive on the next Toronto sports radio book, as well as to start talking about TV ratings in the sports arena. If you want to appear on the Press Row podcast, please reach out to me via email. It's Jonah at YYZ Sports Media or on Twitter at YYZ Sports Media. If you want to advertise, same two addresses work. You can subscribe for this podcast at all of your favorite podcast catchers. My DMs on Twitter are always open. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Press Row Podcast. You can subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. To contact Jonah or to sponsor the show, email Jonah at torontosportsmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.